0: Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Emily, first and foremost, let me welcome you to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. It is such a joy that you're here with me today. Thanks for talking to me.
1: Same. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh
0: my gosh. I'm excited to learn more about you. So Emily, I'll give our listeners a little introduction and then I would love for you to tell us some more. Emily is a coach who helps busy working moms use simple and intentional habit hacks to take care of their basic needs and transform into the best versions of themselves. And she believes that that starts with movement food freedom, which we love around here, and mindset. Emily, the question that I like to ask everyone before we dive into all the fun coaching stuff is regardless of your partnering status, tell us what your dating profile would say. So give us the fun facts about you.
1: Oh, this would be fun. Okay. Well, at first it would say must love dogs and be a talk of Tuesday like enthusiasts like must love dogs and tacos so that would be like the first line as well and oh this is such a fun question um looking for adventure outdoor anywhere and a good margarita as well
0: oh I love it I I think the qualifiers of must love taco Tuesday and dogs is a great filtering process if there's anyone who doesn't love those two things Deal deal breaker So Emily, tell us more about the work that you do with coaching. Was there a story, like a catalyst, something that kind of sparked you doing what you do today?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a habit and fitness coach, but before 2015, I never really moved my body regularly or fueled my body um, in a way that was loving or a form of self-care, really. I was really coming from a place of... Trying to climb the corporate ladder, be like the Pinterest perfect mom and wife. And as a family, I really felt like we were struggling because I was personally dealing with, you know, the stress and anxiety and pressure I was putting on myself in really unhealthy ways. You know, I used to drive a lot around for work and I'd stop at the store and get some groceries for the kids and I would throw a thing of cookies in there. And by the time I got home, I had eaten the whole package of cookies and I would hide it under my car seat because I was just so ashamed of myself. And my husband at the time was coming from a place of, not sleeping very well, working night, second, first shift, I was just all over the place and his sleep really suffered. So we're like, okay, we need to make a change. And I think it really needs to start with us as parents and really taking charge of our health. And it really started with food. We just really dug deep into our habits and relationship around food and kind of realized, okay, this was triggering me to emotional eat can i replace that habit with a healthier habit instead or give myself forgiveness no longer see food as good or bad and over 30 days we really just dug deep into our own food freedom journey together and after that it was like wow, I feel so empowered. Like I stuck to something. I really, you know, did the hard work of self-analyzing myself, which is not easy. And it just snowballed from there. So I started moving my body more because I felt better. I eventually became a group fitness instructor and, and a trainer. And then I dug deep into personal development, you know, listening to books, listening to podcasts, reading books, and even the folks around me, our friend groups changed. And what I realized over time was, wow, I created a really great self-care routine for myself. I feel really great. My family's getting the benefit of it. And what when I was going on this personal development journey, I was really digging deep into habit research because for me, I was like, OK, I think I feel like we all know, like, I need to move my body, I need to eat well, and I need to talk nice to myself. But how the heck do I do that when I'm so crazy busy logistically? So that's why I became a behavior change specialist and really just dug deep into habits, but really from the female perspective, because we have a different view of what healthy means sometimes. And we have to do it differently because I think a lot of times we have to do habits differently. We have a lot of internal and external distractions that we don't take into account. And then we just come from a place of it's all or nothing. We don't do anything. And we just need to kind of reframe the way we see health and reframe the way we see habit strategy and give ourselves grace and see this as a way of transforming your lives and being open to transforming and pivoting your health in different seasons of your life and not being all or nothing, but doing something for your
0: health. Okay, so I definitely want us to dive more into the behavior change side of things, but before we get there, can I just say that I really love and respect that you and your husband kind of led the way or maybe like set the, the tone modeled for your children about changing healthy habits. Was he initially on board? Like, was it difficult to get, him kind of in the same frame of mind, because I know I work with a lot of women who are wanting to create positive change in their lives, their relationships with food, their health journeys, and maybe they have a partner who's just not on the same page. And that can be sticky sometimes.
1: Yeah, my husband's always been an athlete. So for him it was like, okay, like this is a challenge, let's go. And it was for me, it was like, okay, I was I was the one that was always like starting like a diet or workout plan on a Monday and then by Friday it was like totally gone. I overwhelmed myself and it wasn't, you know, cuz a diet didn't work for me obviously. Um, so he was on board and I hear the same thing from women all the time. They're like, I have all these great ideas, but my family's not on board. So it did ta- it does take a lot of conversations and a lot of open communication and how, everyone benefits from it. I mean, we could see over time our kids making healthy choices. Our kids, you know, are very active. And when we do things as a family, we like to be active. And I like to think, you know, hey, we set a good example for them because it could have went in the totally opposite way. So definitely a lot of open communication and conversations (laughs) with your partner is important. But I was blessed that my husband has always been an athlete and he lost 50 pounds at that time too. And he's a Boston Marathon Qualify a runner and a triathlete, like he's all over the place. So for me, it was a little less barrier to entry. But I think for him, it was a little harder too because he was coming from a place of not being that athletic person he wanted to be and changing that mindset for himself over time.
0: Wow. I'm curious as to how the two of you navigate. So it sounds like your husband has that athlete mindset, like go harder, go home. I'm doing this thing, right? Very disciplined as a lot of ex athletes or current athletes are even like weekend you know workout warriors yeah. do you come from like a more moderate balanced flexible like all those you know kind of fluffy words approach and and how do you meet in the middle yeah for me
1: i view fitness or physical exercise as movement i see it as joyful movement i do th- i do movement because of how it makes me feel for me it's my personal Favorite form of self care because it's not just the physical; it's the mental, it's emotional, it's the spiritual, even sometimes. And I know sometimes when I create new programs, and I'll I'll talk to my husband about. It, I'm like, oh, you know, here's are the struggles you know my clients are facing, and he's like, why is that? And I'm like, well, that's your mentality. So I definitely meet in the middle. He definitely challenges me. You know, right now he is training for um, an Ironman. And I'm like, well, I will ride the bike with you while you run really fast, or if you're swimming, I'll just sit up on the side of the pool and watch it <laughs> away from the sidelines. So we, I definitely come from it for, I like to say I'm a functional fitness specialist, meaning I don't just believe in just one form of fitness. I like to have a well-rounded form of movement in, the, in my life personally and with the clients I work with.
0: I think that's so important because one You and I both agree there is no one size fits all, right? So it's helpful to acknowledge that what may be feeling good and healthy for your partner or anyone else that you know, a family member may not be exactly the habit or the behavior or the exercise that is feeling best or healthiest for you. But you guys kind of embody the practice together. What that looks like in actuality might be a little different and that's okay. Absolutely. So Emily, I want to get into, I know you have a five-step method for habit change. Can you tell us more about that and then maybe how we can implement that into our own lives?
1: Yeah, I think when we think about habit change, We hear a lot of really great books out there, like Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, one of my favorite habit books. And I use some of his habit habit strategies and what I've learned um, in my own certification as well. But when I think about habit change, and I think about this from the female perspective, so the first step is to really think about what do I need right now to take care of myself? And when I think of that, I think of just our basic fundamental needs, I go back to college, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, that little triangle and at the bottom are just your basic physiological needs like food, water, shelter. As you move up, there's um, connection, there's self-actualization all the way at the top of that pyramid. And I think a lot of times we're trying to get to the top, but we have no base of support. Like the bottom is just crumbling. So that's the first step is really focus on what fundamental needs do I need right now, in this season of life that I'm in to take care of myself? And when I think of health, I think of it in three areas, either just mindset, movement, or food freedom. What is going to best serve me in this season of life that I am in if I can only do one? Because I think a lot of times as women, we try to do them all at once. And it takes a while for those to be established habits and unconscious behaviors in our lives. So I would suggest picking just one fundamental need to start with as your first step. Say, say it's like movement or food freedom right now, for example, then your next step is to really focus on your habit identity. Well, who do I want to be right now? Who do I want to be? And what habits will support who I want to be? So maybe it's, you know, a busy time of year and You don't want. you're like, I am a healthy person with healthy habits, just something super basic like that. I fuel my body with foods that help me feel good and also fuel my soul as well, like tacos and margaritas, like I mentioned earlier Um, and thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to prep a little, do a little extra mini meal prep throughout the week because that allows me to save time and not hit the drive through and not feel my best. Right. If I do hit the drive through. I'll make healthy choices, and if not, I move on from that, right? The next step is to really evaluate your time. So, You know, maybe if you're thinking about, okay, I'm doing a mini meal prep. This is going to be my fundamental need I need right now. This is my habit identity. How and when am I going to do all this, right? So settling in, maybe doing something like I like to call a habit inventory or a time inventory, where you just write down everything you do in a day. Just inventory it over a couple of days if you have pretty um, consistent daily schedules. And see where all your time is going. More than likely, you'll find a few time wasters on your schedule, a lot of times scrolling social media and thinking about, okay, well, how can I insert this healthy behavior into my life? Step four is like the really juicy, juicy habits. So habit strategy, that is. So step four is to create a habit loop. So a cue, a routine, reward. So for me, I personally like to do many meal preps. Big, long meal preps don't work personally in my schedule consistently, So what I would suggest for this is, okay, my cue is every time I make dinner, the actual routine is I'll throw extra protein in the oven, the reward on the other side as well. I have extra protein already prepped for tomorrow. And that was super easy. I was habit stacking that on top of what I was already doing. And then the last step is to track it and then stack more habits. So there's such beauty in tracking that, yes, I am doing it. Check it off the list. You could have it just hanging on your fridge if we're using that meal prep example, just to show you like, wow, it feels good to check things off the list for sure. But also you can see actual data like, look how awesome I did. That builds so much confidence in yourself. Or maybe if it's not happening, you're like, oh, I need to rearrange when I'm doing this habit loop and then stacking, you know, stacking more more fundamental needs. You know, give yourself 21 days, see how it feels, plus or minus, depending on the season of life you're in, and then start stacking on more. So then you know, like now you're like, okay, I want to, I wanna do that same process with movement. And what I really want women to get to a point to is that whole process. It may seem long and lengthy, but it's a process that you unconsciously do over time. Then we kind of just check in and like, OK, how can I implement this? And over time, you'll find, oh, I've created a nice routine for myself with these healthy habits and I'm able to pivot them as I go into different seasons of my life versus just doing nothing. So this will lead to consistent habit change that allows you to pivot without it feeling hard.
0: We love that. If it feels hard, we're probably not going to keep doing it, right? No way. No way. (laughs) We have enough hard going on in our life. Now, Emily, I have a question for you. So I love the idea of starting with what do I need right now and kind of shaping that habit identity. Tell us more about why that's an important step, because I think a lot of people skip this step in terms of thinking, like, who do I want to be? And how does that woman show up? Like, what habits does she embody on a regular basis? Can you tell us a little bit more about why it can be a challenge to keep the old identity of like, I'm a chronic dieter, I'm an all or nothing thinker, whatever it may be, whilst simultaneously trying to create healthier habits?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think your habit identity is important because I think a lot of times we just go on surface level. They're like, oh, I am I, I think I'm supposed to or I should be. We should each ourselves all the time, right? I should be meal prepping. That's what so-and-so told me to do on the internet, or I see someone with all these meal prep containers, I should be doing this. But when you dig deep into like, well, why do I want to meal prep? It's like, well, you know, my kids' schedules are busy. I feel like we're either eating at 3 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night. And I don't like the way it makes me feel every night. And I want to be able to have a nutritious dinner for my family and for myself and feel good about it and not rushed versus like, I should just be meal prepping. Right. And then just to overcome that old identity, the more you do it, the more you're proving it to yourself. Right. A lot of times I just don't think we trust ourselves. We don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't trust ourselves just based off of past experiences or failures, I like to say in quotes, because it's all a learning experience. So the more you take action, the more that old habit identity will go away and more you'll step into that new habit identity.
0: So are you saying that we don't even really have to focus on stopping that? I don't want to say bad habits. I'm using air quotes, but like unhealthy habits. And we just want to focus on creating the new, healthier habit. And then the former habit will kind of dissipate. Sure. You could do that. Or if there
1: is a bad habit or an unhealthy habit you have, you could use the same process, right? And replace that bad habit or unhealthy habit with the same process with a new habit. You know, maybe it's like every night after my kids go to sleep at night, I eat a big bowl of ice cream because it's so delicious and it's so good, right? With extra chocolate syrup. I always have to have chocolate syrup in my ice cream when I have it. But you know, over time, maybe that doesn't settle so well with your stomach and you're like, okay, I'm going to do that same process because we still have habit loops with habits that maybe we aren't serving us right you can do that same process and you know and say okay after my kids go to bed at night I'm just gonna have a hot cup of green tea and do the same process of going to the kitchen and making myself something and but instead something a little bit more soothing before I go to sleep that's gonna help me feel good long term
0: So in that habit loop example, so you said we have cue or trigger the -hmm. behavior or the action and then the reward. So if the cue is, oh, my kids are finally asleep. Thank goodness. I have a moment to myself. The old behavior would be grabbing the bowl of ice cream with the extra chocolate syrup. And the reward would be, oh, I feel maybe like that pleasure of this food tastes really good. Mm -hmm. And I finally have a minute to myself but maybe we're acknowledging that that pleasure is fleeting and it doesn't really leave me feeling the way that I want to feel long-term or allow mm-hmm. me to reach my goals perhaps. So we change the behavior, but the cue is still the same, right? Oh, my kids are in bed. The cue
1: is still the same. Yes. You're just replacing that actual routine or habit as a new habit. And you'll probably feel the same afterwards. You're probably like, oh, I feel, you know, we had that sugar high, but now you're like, oh, look at me. I took, I took a moment to take care, care of myself. It could even just be like journaling. It could even just be like, you know, um, playing with your dog, you know, something that produces something that makes you feel good, but just in a different way.
0: I love that. I I think that this is something we often overlook, because it almost makes habits feel too simple. Like, wait a second, it shouldn't be this easy, right? Like, the (laughs) cue might be my alarm goes off, the behavior might be me pressing snooze, the, the reward is, oh, I get five extra minutes of sleep, whatever it is. And if we just change the behavior in the middle, we can produce a completely different outcome, but maybe get the same or a similar or maybe an even better kind of reward. Yes, exactly. Wow. I love this. Now, my next question is what I think a lot of my clients would tell me. You mentioned that step five was track and stack. And the tracking, I agree with you. I love nothing more than checking something off a list. Sometimes I'll write things on the list that I already did just so I can check it off. Yes. What if when I track, I notice that my adherence is not as impressive as I was hoping it would be, or I notice I'm not actually doing this consistently and that feels discouraging and I sure. may be tempted to give up. What then? Sure. I like to think,
1: you know, a habit tracker is a way for you to kind of investigate. It's actual data showing you like, okay, this isn't working for me. So I would evaluate it in a couple of different ways. So evaluate the actual habit. Are you doing it because it's for you or are you doing it because you thought you should be doing it? Right. Maybe it's not working for you because you're like, "Eh, this isn't really a habit that's really For me and serving me in this season of life that I am in, I need to reevaluate and do another habit. Or if you look at that and you're like, you know, I'm trying to do this every night and it's just bonkers at night. I don't have the time for this. Can I put this at a different time of the day or do it every other day or really just reevaluate your schedule? It's data. It's just black and white data. However, like you mentioned, Nicole, we'll look at it sometimes and be like, well, (laughs) I stopped tracking. I'm so discouraged. I'm just not going to do any of it. So that's, I think, where we're a big part of You know, celebrating yourself as silly as it may sound or rewarding yourself. There's a reward cycle to help influence and motivate you more and more that you do a habit and you start tracking it. And it could be as simple as, you know, when you do something, some type of act habit and you're like, wow, I did it. Like actually sitting back in the moment and being like, how do I feel right now? How do I feel checking this off? How do I feel, you know, it could be as simple as like your laundry. Like, how do I feel actually folding and putting away all my laundry in like one setting? Like I washed it that day. I put it away that day. Go me, right? Like sitting in that moment and be like, oh, I did it. We don't hype ourselves up enough sometimes and really just living in that moment. And it will motivate you more. But go for it at first with just black and white data. Like, okay, is the actual habit working for me? Do I need to do it at a different time? And really dig deep into that feeling because that will help motivate you to do it more and more. And on the days where you you know maybe miss a couple of days, you know, you don't get as discouraged and throw your hands up and quit. You lean back into that feeling and it helps you move forward.
0: I love that we're using the data more as objective. This doesn't mean that I'm a failure or that I can't do this. That would be a fixed mindset, which we know does not help us reach our goals, but more of a, this is a skill that I'm learning and let me see what I can apply from the feedback that I collected to maybe course correct or change a thing or two. Exactly. I am wondering if, so let's say we run through this process that you just described and we say, okay, this is a habit I'm doing for me. It's not something I feel like I should do. And I really do feel like it's at the optimal time. I'm not quite sure where else I could move it to make it more effective, but why can't I just get it? Does it come down to just more repetition and more practice or is there something else that may be going on there?
1: No, I think, I think a lot of it is you have to do it. You know, they say it takes 21 days to form a habit, right? But it could take 90 days for it to feel like a lifestyle for it to feel like that unconscious behavior, right? A habit is an unconscious behavior, like brushing your teeth. You do that every day, twice a day, maybe three times a day. You don't have to think about that, right? That's where we want to get our healthy habits at because when we start a new habit, it feels hard, right? I like to think we have a lot of tabs open in our brains, right? Especially as women. And so starting a new habit opens another tap in your head, right? And that feels hard and overwhelming. So give yourself some time and repetition to consistently create that habit and use the strategies we talked about. And if over 21 days, you're like, oh, I don't know if it's really sticking, give yourself a little more time. I know 90 days may feel like a long time, but time goes by so quickly, yes. And also thinking about, you know, checking in every quarter with yourself. We, the method we just went through, it's part of my masterclass called the Healthy Habit Reset. I do it live every quarter. It's a free masterclass available all year round, but I do it live every quarter just for folks to check in and be like, oh, this habit really isn't working so much right now. Let's reevaluate and pivot from here. I love that. So
0: kind of checking in with yourself periodically, which brings us back to what you said about kind of making sure that you reflect after you do something. Like, how did this leave me feeling? I think, and I'm sure that you would echo this just based on what you just described to us, but... Oftentimes we're living our lives so reactively that we're not actually pausing to just like breathe and ask ourselves, like, how did that feel for me? Or how did eating that leave me feeling? And so then we're less likely to make a mindful choice the next time because we just don't even pause to check in with ourselves. It's just, Mm -hmm. this is what I do. I'm reacting to the situation, to my environment. That's it. Exactly. Now, Emily, you mentioned a couple of times that habits... Or, or the way that you kind of walk through habit change is different for women compared to men? Can you tell us why? Why is habit change specific to sex?
1: Yeah, I think for women, number one, we're nurturing beings by nature, right? We take care of so many other people, we run the home, regardless if you have kids or not, there is, is a lot of things going on In our minds, but there's also a lot of things going on outside of our minds, kind of like what we just alluded to. There's a lot of reactive things happening. You know, you may be sitting here doing some emails for work, but in the back of your head, there's a constant wheel turning of like, okay, well, when I get home, I'm going to try to run to the gym and, oh, I need to do laundry and, oh, I never did the dishes this morning. I should do that. And, oh, I need to walk the dog. And did I call the doctor and schedule that appointment? And oops, I just got a call from school. My kid is sick. Now I can't do any of that right? There's a lot of internal and external things coming our way. And sometimes that can be so frustrating because you go through this strategy. You're like, Okay, I'm going to go through this five-step habit method. This Emily told me what to do. I have this habit loop all set up. And then the wheels just fall off because you have something happen in your day. And then I think what happens a lot of times, Nicole, is it happens day after day, after day. And then we just get so frustrated. And we're like, well, I just I, I can't make the time. I, I don't have the capacity to do that. So I think it's really understanding that it's not our fault. Maybe your habits haven't been sticking for you. We just have to really dig deep and to know that, OK, it doesn't mean I have to do nothing. Really think about what we teach a method called capacity habits on the days where you have these best laid plans and the wheels all fall off. well, What is my capacity day? What can I still do? So maybe you had you were going to go do a yoga class today and you were able to do that. Okay, so you're like, okay, well, my backup plan, the capacity I have today is just to do like five minutes of a flow or like a free YouTube workout or just stretch before I go to bed. And that's going to trigger in your mind like, okay, I did something because something's better than nothing. Right. That all or nothing mentality. And it's just giving yourself a little grace and knowing that even the tiniest little things will compound over time versus just doing nothing. So if anyone listening today, the biggest thing I want you to walk away with it's better to do something so tiny and so simple versus doing nothing because that is going to motivate you more so long term and build momentum when you do have the capacity to go do that yoga class, for example.
0: I love everything about what you just said, because in my brain, which likes to think in terms of like metaphors and analogies, if you're even if you're doing something small, something modified, perhaps. You're still exercising the muscle of I'm doing this behavior might be modified, maybe smaller, might be less impressive, according to me. But I'm doing this, I'm exercising the muscle of taking action towards this goal. Versus if we feel like we can't do the full thing, a lot of us might fall back to well, I'll try again tomorrow. But that's basically just exercising this muscle of I'm not doing the thing. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to quit today and try again tomorrow, but I'm not actually exercising the skill, which then isn't going to grow over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's just
1: exercising that that muscle in your brain, like you said, and being like, okay, I'm actually doing something and that's going to give you so much more confidence over time. It really will. And that's what I see a lot of my clients deal with too. They're just like, I, I've i tried this, I've tried that. And then all these things happen. It's like, okay, Okay, let's take a step back again, reflect on what you need right now and do just the tiniest little bit like we mentioned earlier. You have to make it so simple and so tiny, even on the days where you don't have the capacity.
0: Emily, what are the biggest barriers that you see to creating healthy habit change? Like what are the the stumbling blocks people run into most frequently?
1: Yeah, the most the two biggest ones I hear just in general are time number one, we're so overscheduled. We're so overstipulated too, right? We're doing, where even if you're like, I know this is good for me. I know I'm going to feel so much better when I do, but oh my gosh, just to even like add on, you know, doing like a gratitude journal at the end of my day feels overwhelming. There's, I just, there's no time. So what I really like to do, you know, like the habit um inventory, like we mentioned earlier, is a really great way just to see black and white data and have facts versus just feelings, you know, that objective versus subjective data where like I just don't have time. you know, so you're like, okay, well, like an hour and a half of every day, I'm like scrolling like funny dog videos on TikTok or something. <laughs> Guilty. Um I mentioned must love dogs and tacos at the beginning. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, but you know, a lot of times it's just digging deep and being like, okay, where is all this time going? How can I make this work and make it a non-negotiable in your life to take care of yourself, making a contract with yourself to be like, hey, I'm training for a life. It's not about a diet. It's not about like being a certain size. It's about just taking care of myself, taking care of you know the bottom of that pyramid, your basic fundamental needs and knowing that everyone will benefit around you from doing so. And the second barrier is always guilt. It's always guilt. You you feel bad for taking time away from maybe your family to go take care of yourself or all of the tasks you have to do in your to-do list. I shouldn't be going and doing this other thing because I need to be doing the dishes or I need to be, you know, catching up on my emails. And a lot of times with the guilt, it's so self-inflicted, right? No one else is watching you and judging you saying you should do the dishes and not, you know, go out to dinner with your friend you haven't seen in forever, right? No one's saying that to you. And I think a lot of times it's taking a step back, you know, if you have a, a family sitting down with them, be like, hey, having that open communication, does it make you mad or sad or angry if I, go for a walk every day for 20 minutes. Like my kids are old enough at the point. They're like, have you gone like for a walk today? Have you walked out today? I'm like, maybe you should go for a walk. I'm like, okay, bye. Um, and also, you know, having a conversation with yourself because a lot of times we have that really big negative self-talk and we're like, we feel guilty and thinking about, well, would I talk to a best friend the way I talk to myself? And the answer is always no, you would never do that. So kind of taking that lens, um, of guilt and no time and taking that veil away, you'll kind of see a lot more clearly like, okay, I can make my health work. I can make the time. I won't find time, but I can make the time and I'm going to lose the guilt because everyone wins around me when I take care of myself and I deserve to take care of myself too.
0: Everyone wins. I love that. Yes. And I think similar to the, would I talk to my friend this way, a lot of us want What's best for our loved ones? Uh, clearly, so if we would encourage them to cr- like take time for themselves and to create healthy habits that lead them feeling their best, why would they not want the same thing for us? Not to mm-hmm. mention, when it comes to little ones, we're modeling for them. Like everything we do is just an example that we're setting. Mm-hmm. And is it fair to say that when it comes to the time barrier? Yes. Creating a new habit may take additional time at the beginning. Cause like we talked about it's effort. It's something new it requires practice, but at the end of the day, aren't we replacing a less desirable behavior with a more desirable behavior pattern? So essentially the time nets out to be the same. Absolutely. And the benefit of what type of energy you get back from whatever new habit you're trying to do is it's priceless. Ooh, I love that. That's so good. Okay. So Emily, what habit are you working on right now? Or are you just like coasting, maintaining the habits you've already spent a lot of time Yeah, on? yeah. Well, like I said, before 2015, I
1: like never consistently worked, like ever like moved my body like consistently. But now it is such a ingrained habit in me. Like I coach at Orange Theory and I do um, a lot of one-on-one training with folks as well. So movement is always an unconscious behavior I'm always doing, but I'm always looking for new modalities and trying different forms of fitness as well, which I love so much. But right now, a habit that I am personally really working on is um, tidying up, you know, doing many resets at the end of my day and getting my family involved as well, because we're going into the summer months. My boys are home. There's stuff coming home from school all over the place and all the things just from them physically being here. So we're all working hard to create many resets at the end of the day to tidy up our space and tidy up our minds a little bit, too.
0: Oh, as a type A admitted neat freak. I really love that habit. (laughs) (laughs) My little guy's only nine months old, but I'll steal that for for the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Emily, where can folks listening connect with you? You mentioned your quarterly masterclass. How can we get connected and find out when the next one is?
1: Yeah, they happen every quarter or you can get if it's in between one of the live sessions, you can get the Healthy Habit Reset at any time and go through it on your own. It's just at bit.ly slash free reset masterclass. We'll make sure to get a link to you as well, Nicole, and you can listen to the self Transform podcast to Habit Hack Your Health on any of your favorite podcast streaming services.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Send that link over. We'll pop it in the show notes below. And that sounds like just such a great free resource for everybody to take advantage of who's looking to implement some new healthy habits in their life. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Emily. This was so helpful. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.